0: Well, uh, if you don't want to hire me, that's fine, but I'm going to go next door to that Chevy dealership because they're hiring too, and I'll get a job there, and then I'll sell circles around you.
1: Welcome to the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings, sponsored by BG Products. Be good to your customers with BG. Hello, everyone. I'm Gene Girdley, and I produce and direct the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast and virtual events. The Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast is your source for automotive industry leaders, innovators, and top performers, providing you with the latest ideas, technology, customer trends, and performance improvement strategies. And now, here's Ted Ames.
2: So Sarah Van Tyne, everywhere I look in the automotive business, I see you. You're on the cover of Fixed Ops Magazine. Congratulations on all the success that you're having.
0: Thank you so much, Ted. Yes, this has been a very exciting time. Uh, very, very exciting things coming online.
2: Now, you know what I think a lot of our viewers don't know is that Sarah Tine is—you're not an overnight, you're not an overnight success in the car industry. This this took a lot of time, uh, and it's been brewing for some time. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I know you went to college and graduated and got a degree, but this was not a this was not a straight line into the car business, was it?
0: No, no, it really wasn't. So in 2009, I was a graduate of College of Charleston. I had two degrees in studio art and art history, which my art history was borderline archaeology. And I was really focused on getting into museum curation. That was really my career path that I had envisioned. That's what I had talked about with our college's career center. And was really, you know, the last two years prior to that, really working hard to kind of pursue that trajectory. Well, of course, 2008, a lot changed for everybody. And so I was a recent college graduate in 2009, and I went back to the Career Center to try to find some job placements and some opportunities within the Charleston market. And I was told that I really needed to have a PhD to get an unpaid internship. (laughs) <laughs> and so <laughs> that was a really big reality check for me because I was thinking that I would be able to go into working at a gallery, working in a, you know a small museum. And I was told, really, there's nothing right now. So I took my resume and I got in my car and I was really determined to stay in the Charleston area because I loved it so much at the time. And I started driving and there was a whole line of car dealerships. Um, right on Highway 17. There's just a whole strip of dealerships down this highway. And I looked and I remembered that I had seen a local posting that the Dodge dealership there was hiring. And so I just pulled off the, the side of the highway, went right into this Dodge dealership um, and walked right up to the receptionist and said, hi, I'm here, I'm, um, I'm interested in a sales position. I saw that there was a job online.
2: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So (laughs) not planned, not, you know, coordinated. You went right in and you said, here I am.
0: That's what I did. And the receptionist, you know, I'll have to give her some credit, too, because when she first looked at me, she she looked confused. She initially thought I was coming in to try to interview for a receptionist position. And I said, no, no, I'm here for the sales one that I saw. I'm not, I'm not interested in, in anything else. I just want to be in sales. And so she paged the sales managers and, um, and one came out and he gave me this once over real quick. And he said, okay, I guess I'll talk to you. So we, we go into this glass conference room. That's right in the middle of the showroom. He flips my resume over one time, flips it right back. And he verbatim said, Why the hell would I hire you? And I was a little stunned, honestly, because I've never been in a position where I was in a job interview where that was my out the gate first question. Not even like, Hi, I'm so and so it was just why the hell would I hire you. And so I'm a little smart sometimes when it comes to how, (laughs) how I react to things and I I told him, okay, well, uh, if you don't want to hire me, that's fine, but I'm going to go next door to that Chevy dealership because they're hiring too, and I'll get a job there, and then I'll sell circles around you. And, (laughs) And so then he now was stunned, and both of us kind of looked at each other, and then we continued a little more small talk, and he goes, okay, I think we can hire you, so... Uh, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> how I got started. So it was uh, a little rocky to say the least.
2: <laughs> so you, you, now, now. by the way, how many women were selling vehicles at this dealership going in?
0: Uh, going in, I was the only person um, that was a female on the sales floor. So my first day I come in all excited, thinking new job, new opportunity. Okay. And they had hired at that time. Uh, 14 additional sales sure? yes, because they had a, a group coming in um, that they were looking, what they were looking to do was supplement the eight that they had uh, that were kind of the full time rotation uh, core that they had and they wanted to add maybe two more people and so they hired 14 and my <laughs> first <laughs> sales manager and the GM and the GM told everyone that, well, we're really only looking to keep two of you, so we're not going to bother to train y'all. But over the next couple of weeks, we'll be firing the rest of you. So we're just going to see what you got and uh, good luck to you. That was uh, that was day one.
2: <laughs> wow. Wow. So no training at all to, to get started. You were, you were on on your own, right?
0: Yes, it was really a little bit stressful. I, I'll say that that was um, the the truest definition of trial by fire. Mm-hmm. I, there was definitely some people that were pleasant and amicable that, you know, said, OK, well, this is where you go here. Stand outside. That's what when he's telling you to go stand on the point. This is what this means. And uh, so I did have some there were some people that were were pleasant. Then there were others that. um You know it felt like they kind of made it their life's mission to to do whatever they could to belittle or hinder or make fun of me for being there and it was uh it was definitely interesting
2: wow so how did it all work how did it all work out for you
0: i think it worked out great i
2: mean (laughs)
0: here i am today and uh but you know i reflect on it because Sometimes I feel like a lot of the things that I went through in the beginning were really unnecessary. It wasn't. It, I I really succeeded in spite of the hurdles and the barriers that were put in front of me. But I don't think you know. I think about so many different women that I've encountered over the course of my twelve years in the industry, and I've had many friends that were very, very smart, uh, very, very savvy, very, very Good people, people. And there were just so many different things that stood in their way in the industry. And for whatever reason, at that time in their life, they said, you know what? I I can't do this. And so I think at the point I was in my career in my life, I was, you know, single straight out of college. I didn't have children. I didn't have a family at that time. I could take some risks and take some maneuvering. um, to be in that environment where it wasn't going to impact me as much if I failed. You know, you you
2: think that made you stronger going in with these obstacles?
0: I think in some ways it did. I think it just, it, it proved to me that no matter what I was up against that day, if I had a terrible day where I had either customers or coworkers that were being particularly challenging or difficult. I think it showed me that I had the grit to get through whatever was put in front of me. And so it, I think that at least foundation of having kind of a rough start, it showed me what I was capable of with those barriers. So as things have, over the course of my career have been challenging, you know, I just look at it like, okay, well, this is just another little stepping stone along the way. And mm-hmm. if it's difficult now, it's not going to be difficult forever. I'll just take it as it comes.
2: How long did you sell? Did you sell cars on the floor?
0: So I sold for as a salesperson at this Mm -hmm. location for six months before I was given the opportunity to be um, what they called an internet sales manager, which effectively was a salesperson who took internet leads. (laughs) And so I did that for uh, another year before I I moved on to our next opportunity.
2: Well, wow. And was that Scott Clark where you went next?
0: No. So I was with the Hendrick organization for oh, about five and a half years oh, from, wow. from my career. And I relocated to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And okay. um, and when we re- my in between relocation, part of the reason we relocated was because I met my husband in that year and a half um, interval uh, when I was in Charleston. And we you know became very serious. And so we started talking about getting married, starting a family and everything. And so he had an opportunity to move to, uh, to Durham, North Carolina. And so I followed suit when I saw that there was an opportunity uh, with a group of dealerships within the Hendrick organization there.
2: And, and that's why I know you've invited a number of people from the Hendrick organization on the fixed ops Roundtable, And that explains some of that background. And what did you do at, at Hendrick, Sarah? Was it back uh, to the internet or was it a BDC yet?
0: So when I moved to performance, uh, which was still part of Hendrick, uh, that was actually my first opportunity to really be the BDC manager. And to be honest, I really didn't know what to expect when I first got into it. Part of the reason why I took the position, why I considered it was because, you know, my my fiance, soon to be husband at that time, we were talking about the hours in our business, which typically, Mm -hmm. I mean, There were some nights my husband would get home 10, 11 o'clock, you know, same thing. Sometimes I would get home eight, nine o'clock, maybe 10, just depending on how things happen when I was selling cars. And we both started talking about that. And it's like, well, you know, one of us is going to have to go pick up kids from school. One of us is going to have to meet these obligations when it comes to raising a family. And so... At the time in my career, I looked at it and I said, you know, I could continue this trajectory and and be maybe a sales manager. I could do finance. Maybe there's things like that, but that doesn't really solve the conundrum, which was how do I balance the two, you know, when the day comes? And so um, BDC was kind of the opportunity that checked those boxes where I didn't have to have as flexible of a schedule to meet customers and meet those kinds of sales hours. And by coincidence, I mean, it just happened to work out that I loved that pursuit. And I really found that I could take BDC and craft it into totally different ways, um, you know, as I learned. And I certainly had mentors at, at performance that I grew and learned from. Um, And I learned, you know, different ways. I learned some ways that I was like, wow, that's absolutely I'm going to keep that in my toolbox. And that's going to be something I'm going to hold near and dear to my heart. Other things I learned, I'm like, you know what, I see that that doesn't work. I'm going to make sure that I don't do that, (laughs) that approach as Mm -hmm. I as I develop in my career.
2: So you went on to become a, an automotive news all-star a few years later. And then uh, you spoke at the automotive news fixed ops journal forum. And I think that's where we saw that Tully was speaking there and you came on the radar and then you came out uh, to the fixed ops round table back in Las Vegas. It'll be it'll be two years this winter, Sarah. Can you believe that?
0: I can't believe it's been two years. And yes, that was so exciting. I that um, my first fixed ops roundtable in Vegas, I was so, so excited to be there with so many different people. And like you said, I'd, I'd met Tully before uh, yeah. when we were out at the Fixed Ops Journal Forum. And, um, you know, this, this event, I mean, Fixed Ops, um, you know, the, this, everything going forward when we were in Vegas, it's just snowballed into so many more opportunities, so many more wonderful things. And, uh, and I've met so many amazing people like yourself doing this.
2: Oh, I think we've all met a lot of amazing people, right, <laughs> along the along this journey. So, and um, you know, it was not always uh, intended. Uh, at the Scott Scar- Scott Clark Auto Group, though, you ended up running the the BDC, and um, your career really took off to to new heights, and you gained all this notoriety uh, within the industry. And uh, and then you started a family. Okay, you've uh, got some beautiful children, and uh, congratulations! I just saw that you had an anniversary as well.
0: Yes, yes. So my husband and I just celebrated 10 years. Um, and that big milestone for us. We're super excited. We had a great family. We took a big family beach trip. So had all three kids and <laughs> we are thoroughly exhausted, still recovering.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Now, was it hard to make the decision to, um, to go from retail? And especially you went through the whole thing with COVID and, you know, all the things that we've experienced over the past two years. Was it hard to make that decision to switch and uh, to go come over to a company like Quantum 5?
0: Oh absolutely it was. Yeah, it was definitely a decision that I didn't take lightly. And it was something that, you know, I I talked with my husband about my decision, I reflected, I think I even asked you, you know, some advice as well, you know, looking looking into changing the you know from the retail side looking at a totally different um, different element within the automotive industry. and ultimately, I, when I looked at the two and I, I felt you know comparing where I was and what I was doing with Scott Clark and what opportunities existed coming over into the kind of the vendor side into more of a consulting role, I felt like where I'm at now in my life, there was so much more opportunity for me to continue to help people beyond just Charlotte, North Carolina, beyond just Scott Clark, and I think that I found has been really something I've been passionate about over the course of my career is continuing to not only grow myself, but, but you know people that I own and hopefully my interactions with them leave them with something that is positive and uplifting and helps them. Um, with whatever, you know, it may not be something related to business development, it might be something else, maybe it's just conversations about opportunities within the industry. But I really felt like being on the vendor side now, and joining quantum was such an opportunity to marry the philosophy and the approach that I've had in my career, which is, you know, continuing to mentor and help others grow. Uh, And being able to do that on just such a larger scale, uh, while also, you know, the benefits of supporting my family and yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know having some flexibility with that too.
2: And I think you've got some great mentors there at Quantum and in Dave O'Brien and uh, the team that he's putting together. And uh, it's very impressive. Uh, okay, finally, last question. You just talked about giving back, you know, to the business. Your career is really just getting started because you've got so much ahead of you. What advice, Sarah Vantine, would you give a young woman who's considering getting into the Auto industry, particularly the retail auto industry. And um, what would you say if you could if you could talk to Sarah Vantine, you know, uh, 11, 12 years ago? What would you say today?
0: You know, I would say don't be afraid to take the the first step and hop into the opportunity that you see available. And don't be discouraged if that opportunity doesn't happen to work out. You know, if there's if you wind up in a situation where you join retail and you're in a role or a position that doesn't feel like it's a fit. Don't lose hope. There's tons of different opportunities and there's tons of different dealerships out there that might have a culture and a work-life balance and the training, all of the things that check all of those boxes that help you grow as an individual. And so throughout, I mean, throughout my retail automotive career, those were always the opportunities that I sought out. Um, As I continued to grow and develop, I was always looking for the next opportunity where I felt like I could have a home where I could, you know, hopefully be there a very long time, but that I could also grow, you know, learning more skills, learning more about my craft, learning more about the industry. Uh, so absolutely, it's a it's a great industry to be in. I would highly, highly recommend it. Just keep looking till you find the place that fits.
2: Sarah Vantine making great contributions to the
1: retail automotive industry. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for joining us on the Fixed Ops Roundtable podcast with Ted Ings, sponsored by BG Products. Help your customers be good for life with the lifetime BG protection plan. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or any of our Fixed Ops Roundtable events, or if you'd like sponsorship information, reach out to Ted Ings at area code 212-763-0016. That's 212-763-0016. 212 763 Seven six three zero zero one six. On behalf of Teddings and everyone at the Fix Stops Roundtable, I'm Gene Girdley. Thanks for listening.